Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Hi and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm your co-host, Jeannie Rice, along with Dr. Tim Hayes, and we welcome you to the show. Today is Thursday, December the 10th, 2015, and our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us, and we would love to hear your comments and your questions, because that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Well, thank you, dear heart, and welcome, everybody. We're honored that you're here to join us once again to uh, engage in this conversation about this ancient technology of healing that comes out of the first century Aramaic language and our appreciation for your participation because just the listening is an act of engaging in an energy shift, an energy change that is creeping forward on planet Earth, is moving forward. You know, an ancient uh, technician, electronic, or a, uh, a uh, scientific technologist that understood how energy systems work. This man named Yeshua said, a little leavening leavens the whole loaf. And I think we are safe in assuming he was not talking about bread. What he was talking about was the the shift and the change and the energetic patterns on the planet that occur when individuals choose to move their thinking and their life process into higher and higher levels of energy. And that each person that engages brings a strength to that higher energy that makes it by its strength on an intuitive level, more and more intensely available. So we are here to bring that forward on the next level in this conversation, making it as practical and usable as possible, and bringing support to everyone on the planet who chooses to engage. We are really blessed by the fact that this uh, technology is here, that you and I can be in a conversation, and I don't care where on the globe you are, it doesn't matter, you can pick up a phone or you can go to a computer and you can call in. And uh, here I am in a little town of Ellington, Florida, just south of St. Petersburg, and able to have a conversation with you. As uh, Jeannie sits in the other room operating the switchboard for a uh, piece of equipment that's sitting in New York City. So it's a pretty amazing technology. And tomorrow, if you like, I don't care whether you're in you know, in deep, deep Russia or in Japan or where you are, you can download this show and hear our conversation. And Jeannie was doing some calculations, and I think the number she came up with was uh, we're now up to 1,268 shows in the archives. So there are 1,268 hours of uh, conversations available where we've covered just about every topic you can imagine. And I don't know where our conversation is going to go today. I just told the space that it will be in the right direction to touch somebody's heart and make somebody's life a little easier uh, because of the understanding of how to shift energy and how to, especially how to forgive. 
Forgiveness does not mean what our culture has taught us it means, and the definition of the meaning of the word has been changed, I suspect, to keep people stuck in their patterns. Because once a pattern is established, if one does not know how the principles of changing the pattern happen, then one's going to tend to remain stuck in the pattern. Well, it's interesting to notice that our whole world is telling us that if we're in a pattern of some sort of pain or trauma, and how do you tell if you're in a pattern of pain or trauma? Is there pain or trauma happening in your world, in your life, in your mind, in your body, in your emotions? Then if that is something that's occurring, the culture teaches, well, then you just look outside you for the person who's to blame and you just say to them, I forgive you. I, I let you off the hook for what you've done to me. And and they've taught us that's what forgiveness means. And it's a total, complete, absolute fraud. But listen to the whole world and the whole conversation is all about when forgiveness comes up, forgiving them. We're going to suggest that you never, ever, ever consider forgiving anyone ever again. And many people say, oh, yes, that's right, I have to forgive myself. No, we're going to suggest you never, ever consider forgiving yourself for anything ever again. If you choose to pardon yourself or someone else, great. And call it what it is, pardon them, pardon yourself, let yourself, let them off the hook, and acknowledge to yourself that that's pardoning. Because if you call that act forgiving, then you'll think once you've completed letting them or yourself off the hook that you've actually forgiven and you'll be finished with it, which means you will never get to the place of changing the patterns. Forgiveness is a tool with which you go inside yourself and remove the root of the energetic patterns that never belong within a human system. What kind of patterns never belong within a human system? Well, we'll oftentimes ask the question, how many have held a newborn child? Describe the essence of your newborn. That's what belongs in the human system, that awesome presence of love. Hostility and fear have no place within this energetic system. And if we become stuck in some form of hostility or fear, then forgiveness is about how you go to the root of that hostility or fear that you're experiencing and you remove it from yourself. Now, nice if you choose to let somebody else off the hook for something that they've done, but when you do that, remember to go to the next level of forgiveness where you actually remove the root of the pattern that put you into the space where whatever it was that happened, happened in your world. And so that's what we're here to support. If you've never touched into the technology, then we're here to make it available freely to you. You're welcome to go to our website, which is www.whyagain.org. And in the middle of the page, you have to scroll down a little bit, you'll see a bullseye. If you click on that bullseye, it'll open a whole series of links, a whole series of how to engage in first century Aramaic forgiveness. And as you follow those links and you listen to the shows and we've guided people through it and you start to put your pen to paper with the worksheet, if you have questions, if you have difficulties, if you're challenged in doing that, we're here to help to clarify the how-to and to support you in the doing of forgiveness. So we once again welcome you to the show. Jeannie, is Dr. Tim with us today. He is, and he's on. Well, let's say hello to the young man. Hi, Tim. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well, thank you. Pleased awesome. to be here. Awesome. Pleased to be here and part of the show, and <clears throat> looking forward to feedback on the wonderful series of shows that you did last week and Tuesday. Now that Jeannie has those on the website, on the front page, with a beautiful picture and talking about the 12 steps and the similarities and overlap 
and the ways to integrate the 12 steps and the forgiveness process. 12-step programs like Alcoholics Anonymous and other 12-step programs, and I thought it was just a wonderful week, and now I'm thrilled to uh, be able to direct people to that link. So thank you, Jeannie. And well, thank, thank you, you Dr. Jeannie, Tim, for, for doing the, the editing. <laughs> right. That was my next thought, to take those shows and everything to make them uh, available like that's uh, an awesome gift. Thank you. So yeah, it's kind of a funny thing that. Go ahead, excuse me. It's kind of a funny thing that recently Blog Talk has started adding advertisements to the front and back end of the of the podcasts. So, for our purposes, I edited those out since they aren't really relevant. And. Um, <laughs> but what's happening here is. Um, more about, I, I guess my theme for today, it's come up twice already today, is trying to help people understand that we're all the same and we're all in this together. And on October 14th, that that idea came out of me, the idea of how how unproductive it is to put somebody up on a pedestal or view somebody else as a role model one of the best ways it's ever come out of me. So I encourage people to go back and listen to that show from October 14th. But today in my sessions, there was somebody, uh, two, three sessions in a row now, where people have been really angry with somebody else for doing something negative to a third party. And so... Especially in my last session, I found myself trying to coach this person to take a breath and step back and realize that what I talk to people about is I will never be upset about anything anybody else ever says or does or doesn't do that I think they should unless I'm still judging myself negatively for having done the same or similar thing. And then... I try and combine that with the concept that's really, really helped me over the years since I've adopted this, to to stop myself when I'm frustrated with somebody else, to do my forgiveness work and then remind myself, let's try this filter on. Let me look at this situation with through the filter that says every human being on the planet is doing the best they know how in this moment, the best they can in this moment with whatever resources they have. And let me just use that as a fundamental assumption. And then the question doesn't become, am I doing the best I can do? Then my question becomes, is there something better I can learn to do for the next moment? And that's helped me in dramatic ways over the last 20 or so years to really stop myself when I get frustrated, when I when I have anger or fear or sadness or hurt triggered, and I, I'm focusing on the trigger and saying there's something wrong with them and that needs to change, and just remind myself, the only reason I'm upset about this is because I'm still judging myself negatively for doing the same or similar things. And we're all doing the best we can. And when I make that shift, it moves me to a space of compassion. And as you were talking about the last couple days and talking about the forgiveness process, once I make that shift, I look back at a situation and it's almost laughable how upset I was getting. Or it's hard for me to remember the perspective and interpretation that I took that led to such upset. So that's that's my theme for today. Cool. Sounds like a perfect one, and uh, you know the, the uh, whole idea of communication that we talked about over the last couple of days ties right in with uh, with what you're seeing as a theme because there's this internal communication that takes place for people that says, I'm angry because 
Charlie did this or Harry did that or Mary did that. And 100,000% of the time, that's a lie. I'm not angry because somebody did something. First of all, if I were going to be a little more accurate, I'd say I'm angry because the picture in my head, because when I look at what I think is Charlie, I'm looking at my mind's construct of Charlie. And if my mind's construct of Charlie's tied to anger, I'm angry, but I'm not angry at Charlie. I simply have anger. And so I'm not angry because I'm, there's no because to anger except that it's in me. And I choose to hook it up to some stimulus or some situation. I can look at what appears to be precisely the same situation. And if I don't look at it through the brain cells of anger, then I'm not, quote, unquote, angry about it. So the, the cultural lie that I'm angry about something out there, I think, is one of the big things that needs to go. I'm angry because there's angry in me. I'm sad because there's sad in me. I'm hateful because there's hate in me. I'm hurting because there's hurt in me. All the because we put behind it are simply a fraud. And, you know, words being as powerful as they are when we tell ourselves a fraud, we can make up a whole perceptual world to perceive as though, and it, it certainly appears as though that's the way it's working. And uh, so to just start right at the root of correcting our thinking and our words that, gee, if I'm upset, I'm upset because there's upset in me. And all the, the the reasons I want to put on it that appear to be outside of me keep me locked into the lie. And so to start to tell ourselves the truth, oh, my perceptual system says this happened, and up comes my anger, fear, sadness, rage, guilt, whatever. And, you know, I think I would probably be better off living without what appears to be anger, fear, sadness, or guilt about this, and so maybe I should just forgive my anger, fear, sadness, or guilt and let myself experience this as it is. And, of course, then the whole game changes. It's a big correction to make and to stick to when the whole culture is telling themselves and everybody else the lie that they're upset because of something outside of themselves. If we could just get the culture to understand the upset's all about what's going on in the inside, and we've only hooked it up to something that appears to be on the outside. It's all an inside job. And, of course, the whole creative process of life would change if we as a culture could comprehend that one and begin to tell ourselves the truth. And once you've got the truth about your upset, you're just, you, you just took a, a giant leap forward in being able to see the root of it and change it. But as long as people are stuck in the lie about how it's about something outside of them, they are far, far from being able to see the truth and therefore change the root of whatever it is that they're feeling. So that ties right into the communication process. Thanks for, for tying that one together. And, of course, the last week that we spent with uh, with Gail and David and yourself, and uh, I'll tie once again back into, okay, so here's a pattern you can use to begin to collapse the projections that it's about somebody else and bring correction and healing to your mind, to your body, to your life. So it's pretty exciting to uh, to uh, be able to uh, have have had that week behind us with with all that input and information and, and being able to make that available to support people in the healing process. Uh, and, you know, one of the things that I I oftentimes think about is that we don't have to be sick to get better. That where there's disturbance, we can simply step into gentlest levels and heal those disturbances instead of waiting for it to become a tsunami in our lives. So that helps, I think, to open the space on another level. Thank you for that input. It's uh, it's good insight. And uh, Jeannie, do we have anybody with a hand up in the phone queue or anything happening in the chat room to be aware of? No, on both parts. Nobody has a hand up. There's several people on the switchboard, so if someone presses one, you're first in line, and the chat room's real quiet. Okay. Oh, a hand just well, went up. Go. 
Oh, go for it. Great. Let's go for it. Instead of a phone number, it says it's Greg. So, hello, Greg. You're on the line. Hello. Yeah, my comment is... Hey, Greg. Is, how uh, can we support you? I just recently... I mean, this has been happening off and on, but uh, I get a lot of insight through my dreams. And since I've been uh, trying to strip through the layers of uh, what I'm inventing with my mind, it's like I've been going through the dream, seeing these symbols, and kind of... Uh, I was having regrets that I've been interpreting all these things wrong. Uh, you know, like it was, it was as though some of the symbols were being stripped away. And I realized like, you know, I, I missed that one. I missed that one. So it's like things are uh, becoming clearer. But yet, you know, there is a, there was a sense that there were certain, definitely things that uh, you create with your mind in order to give more of a story to the symbol. And I was getting caught up in a lot of those self-created stories. Uh, maybe sometimes like how people kind of have a hero complex. And I think that's uh, one of the reasons why we get in gener- uh, energetically entangled in things. But, it, you know, it's been a process. I would like to do some more lucid dreaming to come into more of a full awareness of what's going on. But uh, seeing some of the symbols start to come apart has definitely been progress. Awesome. Definitely dreams can be powerful to uh, to assist and aid in the healing process. And something that uh, we inform people of with this work is that, you know, when brain cells fire, it produces this dream-like state and, Certainly, there can be a great deal of communication that comes forward, but our what we call the awake state, the picture world we see, is from exactly the same place as the picture world we see in the dream state. It tends to be a little more cohesive or coalesced around what we believe. It doesn't tend to stray as far from what we believe as dreams can do. But it's actually coming from precisely exactly the same place, and that is just the the firing of brain cells. So being able to observe, you know, Dr. Tim mentioned the other day, just standing back and observing. When we become the thinker apart from the thought, the feeler apart from the feelings, the actor apart from the actions, that whole process can inform us tremendously about our lives and teach us in the same way as you're talking about a study of dreams. So studying our waking lives can be as powerful as studying our dream lives. And when we can start to listen to the words we use to describe either the waking or the dream state and start to observe the language and catch ourselves you know, when we're talking about how, well, that person did this to me and that person did that, recognize that that's the content of our own brain cell structure that's informing us about what they appear to have done, and perhaps it's not what they did at all. And the uh, the, the key that that tells us when our perceptual system, whether it's the dream state or the awake state, is off base is whenever there's hostility or fear in it. And so it's a, a certainly a study of the whole process can bring tremendous transformation. And uh, and as you say, the dream state can be very useful to, to be conscious of and observe. So do we have a, a, a question or something we can support you with today? Greg, where are you calling from, by the way? Uh, Pennsylvania. Oh, okay, cool. Great. Getting, is it getting cold up there? Yeah, it is. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, we'll send uh, another, you warmth from Florida. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> another question would be, uh, I notice, though, that sometimes when you're either you're stressed out or uh, going through something, uh, it seems like the mind will desperately search for a reason why that's happening to attach to it. Yes. Now, I know, though, it's like when you're actually coherent, and aware you can release something and it's the actual thing that you're releasing. So there's truth to it. But whenever you're in a state of where the body's shocked or 
I would say, you know, if a person's going through the flu or have or suffering from a hangover, their mind is wandering to what in the cosmic universe is, you know, is paying them back and what they have to repent of. So I just too much interesting how, Yeah, the mind, the mind will desperately seek to connect or create something in those situations. So, and and in particular, to find something or somebody outside of us to blame for it. And uh, that's one of the reasons why uh, with the forgiveness process, what happens, I don't know if you've engaged in the the reality management wake-up sheet uh, or not that we have on our website, but what happens with that sheet is it collapses those stories. And if one practices collapsing the hallucinations of the mind, the stories the mind tells, they come closer and closer to the root of what's going on within themselves and therefore closer and closer to being able to see the truth and remove, forgive those dynamics internally that don't belong. And that's a, uh, a really, you know, to me, that's the, the big life changer is when people step into and begin to engage in that process. Okay. And again, for those who are new to the show, if you go to the why again site, why again dot work, um, Scroll down and see a red bullseye, and that bullseye, red and white bullseye, and that will key you into and uh, begin the process of uh, of how to collapse those stories and those projections. And when, in the presence of love, we do collapse a story or a projection, what happens is that the parts of the mind that are inhabited by that which is less than love begin to dissolve and freed on deeper and deeper levels from our stories, life becomes a more delightful, more enjoyable, more rewarding experience because we get to live in the actuality of what's happening in ourselves rather than the stories that the mind fluffs up and tells to try to avoid dealing with what's going on inside. The invitation is to have the courage to go inside and deal with what's there and as as one deals with and forgives, removes their hostilities and fears, it just becomes like a whole different game, almost not recognizable from from a previous uh, way of living. So we're glad that you're on the pro- on the path and uh and any support we can be, that's what we're here to do. Okay, thank you. I just checked your webpage out today, so I'll start that process. Cool. All right, well, you have a blessed one, and let us know how the process goes. And any question, any refinement, anywhere we can support you, Greg, we're just delighted to. Okay, thank you. Okay, blessings. Bye-bye. Happy Holy Days. It's interesting the story people have made up and the story the world has made up uh, just around that word that I just used. And we call it holidays as opposed to what the what the – holidays were originally designed to be were times that were set aside for sacredness, set aside to contemplate, to become aware of, and to stand in our wholeness. And, you know, it it, it seems there are factions in the world that really are not interested in us, in fact, want to prohibit that from happening, so it becomes a time of holidays that are about people pursuing and getting and giving stuff. And if you don't give the right stuff, then there's something wrong with you. If you don't spend enough money, then, you know, you're this or you're that. And uh, if you don't have enough scotch or or beer in the fridge, then, of course, there's something wrong with your party. Uh, And it becomes this, this avoidance of life rather than, the embracing of life in its wholeness and its holiness. And so I like to uh, put the emphasis on a happy holy day as opposed to a happy stuff day. You know, Thanksgiving becomes a place to stuff oneself and, and it becomes about turkey rather than appreciation for the gifts we're given and the power of appreciation in, in bringing healing to a life. And uh, the, the Christmas season has become uh, a season of 
you know, well, it's about giving, so give me something, get me something, as opposed to standing in that mind that is the mind of love. That That's what the day was set aside to focus on and to create our lives out of. So we hold a space for wondrous holy days for everyone, and especially in family systems where families come together and perhaps there are dynamics that have not been addressed that create disturbance within the family system. And, of course, the idea last week of going through the 12 steps was to give people a practical window into dealing with some of the family issues that come up um, during these family gatherings and to create a freedom through forgiveness from the hostilities and fears that are often unresolved within family systems and to bring forward more of that wholeness, more of that active presence of love that completes and brings each of us to fulfillment. So we hold the space for wondrous holy days for each of you in the coming season. And Jeannie, anything happening in the chat room? Anybody with a hand up in the phone queue? There's nothing going on there. So while it's a quiet moment, I'll just take a minute to say, Dr. Tim mentioned that there's a 12-step program now on the front homepage of our website. It shows a guy carrying an upright piano on his back going up the 12 steps, and then when he gets to the top, he's playing a baby grand, and everything's cool. But anyway, uh, so that you'll know where the PowerPoint went, if you click on the start here, the target, it takes you to the worksheets to print. And I actually left the little picture there of the PowerPoint so that it would kind of stand out beyond all of the other links that are in there. I also have the uh, radio shows for the addictive programs that we just did in that as well. So I've also attempted to put uh, titles on those last week. And so if anybody sees anything or has any other ideas, since things got kind of moved around, just to make it easier for people to find the tools. But that's where it has gotten moved. So now if one clicks on the bullseye, the PowerPoint presentation is the first link there? It's not the first link, but it's obvious because it has the – the first link is still the Chapter 24 of the book, and then the – reality management, and then the MP3s that walk people through the wake-up sheets. And then below it is the MP3s to the week that we just completed and also the uh, PowerPoint presentation. And I've left the little pictures next to those two links so that they kind of jump out at you and keeps it separate from the rest of them. So. Cool. Just trying to make it easy for people to find, but it's I can't put everything in one place. <laughs> You can't get it all on the front page, every link that so no. stands out and everybody knows exactly. <laughs> thousands <laughs> and thousands and thousands of links, and uh, I know you've really been working diligently to get the details together on that and write those descriptions, and thank you for that. It's awesome. So the PowerPoint that we're talking about, and I actually just went over it again yesterday, sat and watched it, and I uh, I dropped a note to Bill Costantino to thank him for for his diligent work in that regard. Uh, I'd hardly know a PowerPoint if it came up and, you know, said hello to me. But uh, but Bill, being an expert at it, took, uh, well, actually, I guess it was over a period of just about a year, and we kind of consulted on it, went back and forth, and Bill took the whole forgiveness process, went through several different versions of the PowerPoint to, to arrive at a 24-minute presentation that literally takes what took me over 30 years to to learn and uh, about 35 years of work on the how-to of forgiveness and just put it together in such a precise step-by-step fashion that is, you know, if you've done worksheets, if you've engaged in the tools, if you watch the Why Workshop, great. It is um, awesome be engaging in that and that PowerPoint just 
crisps it up and makes it so easy to look through it and understand it and get reinforcement for that understanding. You know, we, we talk about building the brain cells and you know, the first time you hear something, you've started the building of brain cells, but it's oftentimes not until, you know, I think in psychology, you say you've got to hear something 35 times to make it yours. And so to really build the brain cells at PowerPoints, just so precise, step by step. And uh, we have completed the edit notes on the new four-hour Why Is This Happening to Me Again? That's in the hands of the editor, uh, our uh, our tardiness of taking a year to get it to him, but it is uh, the best, I think, why is this happening to me again workshop that I've ever done. And uh, we'll be bringing that out on DVD before too long. Once we get the uh, first hour back, we are going to place that on YouTube free. It was just, um, I, I was awed when I watched it uh, for the first time or actually it was about the third time when we completed it the other day, but just it, it was so much better than I had recalled uh, the live presentation. And that was something that happened when we were up in Chicago last year uh, at the Unity in Woodstock. And they were kind enough after we finished a week of workshops. Dr. Tim had a friend that was uh, a videographer. And uh, so on kind of a minute's notice, we set up and did the um, the why is this happening to me again workshop the second Sunday that we were there and uh, and videoed it. Dr. Tim was of great support in putting that together financially and otherwise. Thank you, Tim. And so finally, it will be available. And uh, as soon as we get that first hour back, we'll pop it up, have a link on the website, and have it on YouTube so that uh, anybody can watch the first hour of that uh, that workshop. And it just it it um, it's one of the best flows of the information. It just goes chink, chink, chink. You know, it all just kind of falls in place so nicely. So, so I'm looking forward to having that as a, a new product that we'll make available. And what we're looking at doing, you know, we've got a, a two-hour, or pardon me, a four-hour Why Is This Happening to Me Again that was done about 30 years ago in a studio in South Florida. And so I think what we're going to do is we're going to pa package those two workshops together in uh, in one package. And uh, we're going to cut the price of it and make uh, all eight hours available. Actually, I think we're looking at doing nine or perhaps ten hours uh, in one package that will be all tied into the forgiveness process. So so we're excited about that product coming out. And, uh, and throwing the PowerPoint so. in as a bonus. And the PowerPoint will be, yes, PowerPoint will be a bonus. And actually, uh, we had a, a video done. I, I did a um, a Sunday service at a place called the Namaste Center in um, Henderson, North Carolina, uh, a few months ago. And that was when we had the videos done of the uh, Course in Miracles with Dale Allenhoff and myself and, uh, and the, uh, or pardon me, the Aramaicisms. And we did a Course in Miracles lesson, What is the World? And then on the Sunday, after we did that video work, in the Sunday service, I kind of did a, a, a correlation of it all. The Namaste Center is focused mainly on the Course. So we sort of tied together the uh, the lesson, What is the World? At least part of it, and also the uh, forgiveness process and a Sunday service, so we're, we're going to make that, I think, part of the package as well, so that there'll be a total of 10 hours of material around the whole process of forgiveness in a package, and we're, we're just looking at packaging options and that sort of thing now, and then what it's going to sell for, but uh, it'll be one of our, our newest products. So I'm excited about that, and uh, we're working on uh, editing the Aramaicisms. Dale Allen Hoffman and myself spent four hours uh, being videoed uh, talking about Aramaicisms, a term that I coined to represent going back to the original first century meaning of Aramaic words and concepts so that people had a true foundation for their process work. You know, if you listen to Vladimir Lenin, he says, you want to destroy a culture, just change the meaning of its words. And you watch how word after word after word is being changed. You know, we had a gun, now we have an assault weapon. 
We had marriage. Marriage isn't marriage anymore. It changed the meaning of the words, and then people can't logically and rationally think about what that topic really means or come to accurate conclusions because the meanings of the words have been changed. Forgiveness has been made into pardoning. Love has been made into something we do to each other, and on and on it goes. So we'll be coming out with uh, with four hours, uh, two different uh, two-hour videos on Aramaicisms. Uh, so we're working on editing those as well right now, and uh, they're the projects that are unfolding this week as we finally are settled into Ellington to uh, to get uh, the work done that we are here to do. Where this year we're not uh, traveling as we normally do. We'll actually do a week of workshops in South Florida, in um, Miami and Hollywood, starting on uh, the 17th of uh, January. That's actually the only week of workshops we've got scheduled in terms of the normal travel work, where we're usually, I think last year we did about 180 workshops. We've got a total of uh, six this year. And, uh, and then we've got a month of intensives in February. If somebody wants to tap in, uh, they're going to be small, very personal um, and intense uh, intensives that will happen in Orlando in uh, February. We've actually rented a really beautifully appointed 3,500-square-foot seven-bedroom home, so we'll have room for 12 people. And uh, two different intensives we're going to do on February 1st. We'll start with a nine-day codependence to interdependence communication practicum, and that nine-day will stretch out into a 16-day. That's the one that Margaret was talking about yesterday that she found was uh, so helpful to her being uh, a lover of the responsibility communication. And it was really powerful as you know, as soon as a, a conflict or a situation came up, uh, basically we just invited the, the folks involved in it to come forward if they were willing to and use this 12, the, the seven steps of the responsibility communication process and where the mind tends to trail off into its old way of using words, the whole group is there holding a space and giving them feedback when the conversation goes off into blame or projection to bring it back on track. So that's what we'll be doing beginning on February 1st in Orlando for nine days. And then that nine day, for those who have the space and want to take it to another level, will stretch out into a 16-day. And... Then we'll be taking one day off, and we'll go into a 16-day uh, laws of living. And so uh, we'll be doing 16 days of intensive work with uh, with laws of living as well. And that's the course we've been hearing from Susan on her uh, teaching it. She's in her fourth uh, in the series of uh, her, her fourth complete intensive in Wilmington, North Carolina, has just really picked it up and and done a fabulous amount of work. And the, the, the work she's doing with people, the shifts we're seeing in the personal code evaluations of the folks in her class are just monumental. The stories we're hearing back from people about the changes in their lives, fabulous. And so if it's something, you know, if you feel like this is your work to teach, then Laws of Living is a way to really move in beyond the the uh, starting of a support group and working with that and the Y workshop. Laws of Living, you know, it's about 250 pages of text material. And uh, so the intensive will be about tapping people into uh, to do their process work and also creating a space for people to actually teach the work through Laws of Living. So if you're uh, you're ready to move in that direction, that would be a, a powerful starting point or a next step in your process. And that'll start on uh, February the 17th and go through March the 4th. And so if you're ready to do that, I think uh, a couple of times Susan shared with us that it's not uh, hurting her feelings, the fact that uh, it's also creating some cash flow for her, which, you know, when people teach, that's uh, it's always nice to be rewarded. So if you're... Uh, ready to move in the, in that direction and think about coming and join us for Laws of Living starting on uh, February the 17th. And beyond that, Jimmy, anything else happening in the chat room? Anybody with a hand up in the phone queue? No, still no hand up and still no questions in the chat room. Well, we've got 
about 15 minutes left for questions. So if anybody has something on your mind, how can we support you? Is there a tool that somehow or other isn't making sense or that you could use support in using an issue that uh, we can help you with? And if you're in the phone queue, push one. If you're on one of those stations where we can't see you in our control panel, then if you call into uh, the show, the number is 646-200-4169. Then push one, and by pushing one, that puts a hand up in the phone queue So, or, or in the control panel. So if you're in the phone queue and you have a thought or a question for us, some way we can support you, then push one and just be no, be no waiting. We'll just be having a conversation. And, you know, if uh, if Dr. Tim and I were, gee, were in your town and on a platform, you know, it's your local library, your local university, your church, or whatever, and presented the ideas we've been presenting. When we completed it, walked down off the stage, I know that there are several people listening who would be walking very promptly over to one or to all three of us with the words, I just have a quick question. It's interesting. It's always quick questions. And we're here to answer those questions. We're here to answer your process. We're here to support you taking these tools and moving them into the next level of functionality in your world. So if you have a question for us and you push one, we'll be having a conversation. We had well, a hand go a question up. in your mind. There you go. Cool. We have- and it's a Skype caller, so I don't have a number. You are on the air. Uh, yes, that me. That's you. Welcome. Give us a name. Where are you calling from? Can you hear me? Gotcha. I can hear you loud and clear. Give us a name. Where are you calling from? Uh, Jeffrey in uh, Missouri. Hey, um, Jeffrey. Welcome. Thanks. I uh, had uh, been listening to the um the talk about reality management and you gave the example about um someone someone drinking a glass of water um and someone someone getting irate about that but are you saying that are you saying that all actions are are morally neutral that there's no such thing as as a good deed or a bad deed per se, and uh, and how could could that be? I wouldn't say that in a million years. No, I think that there are things. To me, what a moral action is is first of all, let's define what human life is: hold a newborn child and experience the awesome active presence of love that we are, and things that support that in expression in our world to me are moral actions and i think we're all obligated to do that if we want to live lives of aliveness joy activity and reward that's how it's done so i'm not saying there are no moral or immoral actions there are things that support life and that true presence of love, that would be moral. There are things that destroy it, and that would be immoral. And I think we're obligated to stay away from those things, and we're obligated to me by practicality because if we engage in those immoral actions, those things that don't support life, then we're going to suffer. We're going to be in pain. We're going to experience trauma. And so everything we do has an impact. But what we are saying is that there is no action out there in the world that causes you pain or trauma. The action that happens out there in the world may trigger in you pain or trauma. The pain or trauma comes from the inside. Short of somebody walking up and punching you in the nose, the kind of pain that we're talking about is, you know, the the family that sits down. We, we actually went to a kind of one of these Christmas family films, family dinners the other day, and, you know, to watch people sitting at the table and the barbs that fly back and forth and the rage and the pain and the trauma. And 
the world believes that, you know, when I when I went to that family Christmas dinner, it was my sister that made me so angry. When the fact is I walked into the room with that anger, just waiting for somebody to trigger it, and there my sister said the right words to trigger my anger. Now, I can live in the world of telling my sister how immoral she is for what she did, and the truth is, her action doesn't have anything to do with what's going on inside of me with the pain that comes up in me that's mine. So when I call her to blame, I'm off base. That's what we're saying. And what we're inviting people to do is to keep coming back to responsibility. And if sister can say words that bring up some sort of offense or turmoil or trauma, then as I apply the reality management forgiveness process, I am able to free myself from that offense or turmoil or trauma. And so I can stand in the face of someone who is the most immoral person in the world or the most moral person in the world, and I won't be affected or impacted by that. And if someone is the most immoral, you know, what we would call in this context of the conversation, the most immoral person in the world, if I can stand as a place of active love, if I can stay connected to my human life and keep that love conscious, active, and present, then the simple presence of that in me is going to tend to start to break down the belief system in the person who has just done the act that destroys life. It's going to tend to break that down in them and free them of it and move them toward who they really are, which is that active presence of love, and their actions will tend to become what we might call more and more moral. Make sense of your question? Uh, yeah, and uh, and it's probably well, maybe it's maybe it's another talk topic. But the other thing that I had heard you mention several times um, was um, what you call carbon-based memory. I wonder if that's the same thing as epigenetic memory, where things that happen to uh, parents and so on affect the next generation through the ep. Epigenome, is that what you're referring to? That's it exactly. That that literally, when you think of this body mind unit, we have each one of us has the most amazing biocomputer that you can fathom. You could take all the super cray computers in the world, link them all together, and they would be like a a pinhead in function compared to one human energy system. And so our offering is that this so-called body-mind unit is, in fact, a biocomputer that stores every thought, every feeling, every frequency that comes to it and stores it holographically in every cell. And generation by generation by generation, that content is being built and its patterns are being established. And so as I, I recognize that I'm the inheritor, I stand on the shoulder of giants and dwarfs. Some of the most awesome people that have ever existed are in my genetic history, and I have access to their minds and their thoughts and their patterns and their ways of expressing. I also stand on the shoulder of some of the most stunted, uh, insane, rageful, murderous people who've ever existed. I'm talking about all of us. And if those things are triggered in me and I don't know any better, when they come firing out of my genes, they might take over my behavior, my thoughts, my feelings, and, and here I say all of a sudden, I don't know why I'm in such depression when here I sit on the top of, you know, 100 generations of people who have not known how to resolve their pain and therefore live in depression. And so all of that is stored in the cellular structure and you know, if you ask a modern-day physiologist what our so-called body, the cellular structure, is made of, they'll tell you that its base element is carbon. And the way I arrive at carbon-based memory and the way the ancients uh, arrived there, I believe it's the same process, is recognizing that the carbon atom is made of six electrons, six protons, six neutrons, six, six, six. If I come into the world as that newborn sweetness and presence of love, 
The only thing that will ever take me out of that love is that which is stored in my carbon-based memory. And so living in the true mind that we're designed to live in as every newborn, you know, Jeannie and I have asked the question of tens of tens of thousands of people all over the globe, how many have ever hold a newborn, describe the essence of the newborn, and everybody's descriptor is some variation on the theme of love and sweetness. That's the truth I'd offer of who we are. And in the ancient teachings, in the ancient Aramaic, they called that living in the mind of Christ. Living in the, the, the mind of love that he lived in is what we're designed for. And the only thing that will take any one of us out of that mind that we're designed for is that which is stored in our own carbon-based memory. And so that became known as the Antichrist. What goes against you and I living in love? The only oh. thing that will ever stop me from living in love is what's stored in my carbon-based memory. The only thing that will ever stop you living as a true human being is what's stored in your carbon-based memory. So we have the mind of Christ, and we have the potential for that which would block it, the Antichrist, and that's stored, yes, epigenetically would be a, a similar description of, description of where this information is stored that when triggered into activity can take us out of it or block the awareness because there's, for many people, so much pain and trauma and turmoil and they have no understanding of how to dissolve it and remove it, how to forgive it, then when it comes up, it takes over and they lose awareness that they started out as love in the first place, and that's how they're designed to express. And so forgiveness is about removing those energetic patterns that are stored in our genes, in, in our epigenetic structure, to remove those things so that we can be returned to simply the truth of who we are. Where did we start? We all started in the same place. Yeah. But what the... I what the mind, what the average mind does, what the culture does, is it wants to blame somebody else for the fact, you know, I'm not living lovingly because of what you said. I'm only enraged because you did this. It's like, no, I'm enraged if I'm enraged because there's rage in my genes, in my carbon-based memory. When I start to apply for you, I'm freed of it, and I can stand as a space of love. Whatever you did, moral, Ill, immoral, won't matter to me. And I guess... Uh I guess that probably uh, explains a lot of the the so-called uh, ghost parent phenomenon. Yes. Um, exactly. There's a lot of there's a lot of folklore in this part of the country, you know, about so-called ghost parents, and uh, that probably explains a lot of that. Literally, you know, we had a young woman at Heartland this summer, and. She is a young woman who's in her early 30s, had never been sexually abused, and all of a sudden she's got all these feelings of being sexually abused. And it's like, gee, what's happening? You know, she was in some trauma about that. She's doing a worksheet, and it's like, I have no idea where that comes from. So I suggested she ask, ask to be shown where it comes from. And when she was a very small child, she knew her grandmother, and her grandmother passed away by the time, I don't remember exactly, by the time she was maybe three or four. So she really didn't have any conscious recall of her grandmother. But as soon as she asked, she got the full-blown picture of her grandmother, and her grandmother explained her life with her grandfather and how sexually abusive she had been all of their married lives. And she now knew the root of and was able to go to another level of letting go of that abuse, having some understanding of where it came from. So, yeah, I'd say that fits perfectly. And it was the grandmother. just the last. Go ahead. Go ahead. And you're saying it was the grandmother that it, this had happened to? It was a great. What, what she got when she asked, and I'm going to have to close the show because we're down to the last minute, but okay. what she got when she asked was a full picture of her grandmother came forward and her grandmother explained to her that her grandfather had been a sexual abuser throughout their whole marriage. And so as she had a sense of where that came from, she was able to throw it off and free herself of that trauma. And I'd be delighted to carry the conversation on tomorrow. If there are more thoughts or more questions, we this is what makes the lifeblood of the show, and we appreciate you calling in. In the meantime, we're down to the last few seconds. So we'll just say, if the show's been meaningful to you, pass it on to somebody else. It's in the archives. You can get a free MP3 of it. Bring a stranger to the show tomorrow. And in the meantime, create the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give. Blessings. Bye-bye.
Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice and his wife Jeannie, who present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. Michael and Jeannie are here every Monday through Friday on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.yagain.com. That's www.whyagain.com.